Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor Program. Uh, today, Randy, we're continuing our series that we started about the Ten Commandments. I was impressed uh, earlier this year when our pastor from our church was preaching this series, and it convinced me that the commandments are really uh, about honoring God and uh, drawing us closer to God as opposed to our common misperception that they're all about the don'ts. Uh, So we're going to continue on today with... uh, the second commandment, and then we'll just keep going. Well, uh, what I like about this series is I think there's a tendency uh, with most of us to take the Ten Commandments for granted. You learn them in your youth, and then uh, you're well aware of them, you try to follow them, and then you basically kind of tuck it away in the back closet of your mind and never really take the time to analyze, understand, and embrace what you're being commanded to do. Yeah, that's right. So... Uh, without further ado, uh, this is a long one as it appears in Exodus 20. Yes, it is lengthy. Is it not? Is yeah. it not? Well, Exodus 20, verses 2 through 17, actually says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness or anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Yeah, so let's uh, uh, take this like we do a lot of scripture verses that has a part A and a part B. Part A is all about uh, uh, what thou shalt not do, which is to uh, bow down to false idols. And then the second part is about um, the consequences of that. Exactly, exactly. But but, uh, it also uh, ends with a uh, very positive uh, truth that if we return to God's ways, the uh, return on that investment is uh, uh, pretty extraordinary, really. So, you know, we'll get to that here in a minute. But let's talk about false idols, Randy. And, you know, it strikes me as we're... Recording this, uh, it, we're actually recording it on December the 2nd, 2015, and uh, so here we are entering the Christmas season, and uh, is it not entirely possible that Christmas is full of possibilities to have false idols? In our world today, there seems to be an increasingly large number of new potential idols in our, in our world. And, and that can be anything from uh, an obsession with electronics. Now, there, you know, there's, there's a category that years ago wouldn't have even entered the conversation, but there has been such a, uh, an evolution of brilliant ideas that uh, yeah. if you're attempting to watch anything on TV currently, you're going to run into all kinds of... Uh, Apple ads for everything from uh, from the latest technology in phones 
to the latest computers, and the, the gadgets, and all of the wonderful things that uh, if you're not careful, you can find yourself just really kind of falling into this pit of technology. Well, you're basically saying that there are certain products, and electronics would certainly qualify. Uh, I have to admit that I, over the years, and by over the years, I mean the last <laughs> 50 plus, have... Uh, <laughs> but who's counting? Uh, yeah, but uh, ever since I was old enough to uh, buy my own television sets that uh, I've kept up with uh, the size and the uh, various uh, features adva- and adv- advances of those, you know, the very high definition. And, you know, uh, I was thinking this year that even though we already have a very large television, that there are now larger versions and they all connect to the Internet now and you all can get various services. We don't need to get into any one of these specifically. I think one of the things we're doing today is kind of challenging the listeners to to think about where they put their time, investment, and energy. One of uh, the great writers on financial responsibility said, we'll know what you worship when we see your checkbook. Now, checkbook is getting older. I mean, so many of us do even banking online these days, but uh, we'll know what you worship based on your... your Spending. Your, well, your spend tracking, your yeah. your your balance sheet, your your uh, expenditures, in other words, will know if there is uh, certain products that you worship, certain um, uh, activities, actually, that you worship as opposed to... uh as opposed to God. Well, and as you're inviting our listeners to do that, to take time, take note in their own lives as to where they are spending their time, what what is receiving their focus and their attention. What if somebody does discover that they're they're spending way too much time in the wrong areas? How does somebody recenter themselves so that their vision is is you know God based? Did I say I know the answer to that? Well, you do. You on a daily basis. You, you usually start the day by stopping in my office door, because yeah. I'm in first, and you'll usually say to me, remember, Randy, I have all the answers. Have a nice day. Yes, well, <laughs> it's nice to be confident, isn't it? Uh, Confidence is a good thing. Uh, well, I think we need to start with the idea that why would a person worship false idols anyway? Uh I was just thinking that, you know, when this uh, commandment was given by God, um, the Jewish people were wandering in the wilderness, and they, uh, at uh, a certain point, were pretty upset with Moses because he was off on Mount Sinai communicating with God, uh, the communication that eventually led to the Ten Commandments. But in the absence of God, they felt like they needed something uh, more tangible. They needed something more present. They needed something they could look at. Uh, They needed something that they could bow down to, that they could actually visually uh, see. So as we all know that story, they created the the golden calf, and and, uh, that was not an uncommon thing back in um, those times for various tribes, various people to uh, worship, you know, other gods that were gods of... uh, the nature and, you know, sometimes represented by animals, sometimes represented by other gods or goddesses. And uh, so, you know, it was speaking directly to those times. But uh, if we start with the idea that part of the problem is that um, as human beings with a fallen nature, we do like things to be more tangible. We 
We like things to be more visible. We we like things to to be such that we can look at them, uh, experience them more directly from a visual standpoint. We even uh, when we think about uh, God, the Father, you know, we tend to actually uh, anthropomorphize. That's a you know fancy word for turn him into a visual image so that uh, we can uh, actually know what we're talking about. So I think it's a natural tendency of, of all of us to, to, to have a hard time kind of wrapping our minds around God. Uh, and so, you know, when we fall into the temptation to pursue false idols, I think part of it is we're looking for something uh, more visibly tangible. That's, that's the place to start. So I think that you know, when we come to products or, you know, activities, uh, we're in a way investing in things that uh, are something we can go out and actually purchase, something that we can um, go out and actually uh, experience, hold or touch, you know, those kinds of things. And it it's speaking to that part of ourselves that wants more immediate uh, answers and more immediate results to things. Even the ancient gods, you know, they they were those that people felt like they could pray to for very specific things. And if they prayed right, they would get rain, they would get a good harvest, you know, and all of these kinds of things. So uh, I think it, it's basically uh, understanding that we're, as human beings, we're all rather insecure. Uh, we struggle with a lot of anxiety, and our anxiety is increased when we don't have something um, more concrete um, to think about. So that's one of the places to start, and therefore our spiritual journey about this is going to have to be to develop a certain sense of trust, peace, confidence in things that are unseen. Well, and that sounds like your definition, uh, the, the start to a definition about faith. Yeah, faith is uh, the knowledge, as Paul talks about, of things that are unseen. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, let's take our break right now, Mark, and when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll be able to uh, delve a little deeper into this second commandment. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com.
Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week was uh, actually volunteered without me having to ask last night by uh, several of the men, actually, in our Tuesday night group. And uh, this was rather an interesting uh, development that happened in the group because the one guy said what uh, he had been triggered by this past week, and it's like automatically everybody, every one of the men in the room were nodding their head like they got it. So I, I think this must be a rather universal you know, one uh, yeah. for men. And it's high heels, but not just high heels. It's uh, high heels on a, uh, a solid floor. It's the clicking sound of high heels. So it reminds us that uh, triggers can be visual and they can also be auditory or they can be some combination of the two. Because if you hear that sound and if you're a man struggling with lust, you're going to turn to see what actually created it. Because there's a visual that immediately comes to mind, that sound is associated with a very distinct image. Yeah, you know, and we could get distracted here talking about what is it uh, in terms of fashion that uh, causes women to wear these things. Uh, because my, my, I've never tried to wear a pair, uh, but, you know... Believe me, they're not comfortable. Yeah, I know, Randy. We <laughs> really need to talk about this later. But uh, I'll make an appointment with you. Yeah, not me. I think you need a specialist uh, in uh, some kind of fetish behavior. But, uh, no, seriously, I, they look to me to be uncomfortable. And uh, so what is it about them? Well, you know, I think women like the way it, it lengthens and shapens. Slenderizes their, their foot. Slenderizes, well, their feet and their legs. So uh, it's, I think it's a really, really old way that women have of emphasizing the appearance of at least a part of their body. And uh, so I, I'm not getting critical here. I'm just saying I, I'm guessing that 99.9% of women wear these things because it's that they participate in what is common fashion. And I think sometimes women are aware of the, some are aware of the sexual quality that it represents. But uh, needless to say, I, you know, um, last night I experienced that for all of the men in the Tuesday night group, it was a rather universal trigger. Well, uh, we thank them for their uh, for their contribution to our show today. They have come up with some very valid triggers over time for us. Let's return to our subject today, which is our series on the Ten Commandments. And today's show, we are basing on commandment number two. Yeah, and uh, the false idols commandment. Uh, I was thinking uh, when I was kind of um, uh, mentally getting prepared for the show today that I was talking to a man this morning who... Uh, is now participating in one of the great social epidemics of uh, our time, and that is the amount of people, both men and women, who are reconnecting with an old girlfriend or an old boyfriend. Uh, sometimes I've, uh, I have a case in which one of the men connected with a girl they had a crush on in grade school. This guy was talking about his uh, girlfriend in uh, uh, junior year of high school, that they happened to reconnect on Facebook, and that led to a rather lengthy period of exchanging emails and getting caught up, and uh, uh, then eventually, uh, because of business travels, um, that allowed them the opportunity to actually meet face-to-face and then uh, become sexual. Um, And as I was just listening to this man describe the qualities of this affair partner, it was obvious to me that he was in that infatuation stage of a relationship where there's a lot of adrenaline and a lot of dopamine going on, uh, cocaine-like in its effect. 
But uh, as he was describing this woman and naming her and all of this, I said, you know, he's turning her into a false idol. So, you know, the, the point here being that a lot of us that have struggled with affairs, uh, fantasizing, uh, pornography even, uh, you know, we're, we're looking uh, almost for the goddess-like qualities of the women that uh, we're lusting after. And so I think for our population, one of the main false idols, the men, in other words, is, uh, you know, uh, other women um, that we, we seek in our mind to turn into uh, goddesses, basically. And, you know, uh, God, first commandment says, thou shalt have no other gods or goddesses before me. And this one, no false idols. And what I'm saying, all the mental images that we get into our brain are false idols. And once again, on, on previous shows, you did a great job of uh, explaining to our listeners that uh, that mental sensation that you experienced uh, when you had a lonely childhood and you're seeing your first Playboy magazines and how that centerfold always is photographed as though she's looking directly into your eyes. Right. And almost all of the time, the individual is smiling. So suddenly you felt wanted, you felt welcomed, you felt that she desired you. And, and all of those elements seem to be wrapped up into this false idol theme. Yeah, and it again points to the fact that uh, when we create false idols, we're, we're searching for something, uh, nurturing, a false sense of security, uh, uh, affirmation, uh, some of those desires of the heart that Debbie and I talk about. So I think it might not be a bad time to invite the listeners to uh, that are listening either as a couple uh, or as a group of men or women to just pause the recording and have a conversation about uh, owning, I, I think, uh, some of the historic ways that they have created false uh, idols in their life. Just to add one other possibility, I was thinking about this uh, last night as I was yet again watching a, a number of sporting events. How many of us have turned our athletes, professional, college, or whatever, into false idols? You know, we, uh, I remember back when the boys were in junior high and high school, uh, they all wanted to be like Mike, and they were talking about Michael Jordan. So, you know, we went out and bought Air Jordan um, shoes, and, you know, they all wore Michael Jordan jerseys. And and uh, I think we need to be careful. And, you know, the uh, humble athletes that I know are, are all, you know, basically wary of this. You know, don't turn me into a false idol. I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. I've been given certain athletic gifts and talents, but... Don't turn me into a god. Well, and I think we learned the hard way for those that are that have a tendency to do that. But Tiger Woods uh, right. was the perfect example of uh, a professional athlete that uh, earned, that uh, quickly earned uh, idol type status in the sports world. Uh, there were probably hundreds of thousands of uh, men who. Uh, idolized tiger and everything about him because he seemed to have the world in the palm of his hand and then he showed just how human and frail and weak yeah. uh, uh as as we all potentially are and uh boy that really kind of burst the bubble on a lot of people's um viewpoint on him well you know my bubble was burst because i would have thought uh based on my golf history that shooting a round of golf at par or even better, would be the ultimately satisfying thing in the sporting world to do. Uh, uh, so, and yet Tiger struggled with the same 
addiction that all of the men that we work with struggle with, and they're still out there looking for that affirmation and and nurturing that that uh, the false idols of a lot of women uh, uh, he thought could provide to him. So we don't need to get into any examples too specifically, but you know we're inviting the listeners to pause and and have an ownership type of conversation about what some of the false idols have been in their life. I have kind of a funky tweak to that, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, have all of us even uh, uh, who are married, have we turned our spouse into a false idol? Have we sought in them um, things uh, of an emotional, even spiritual nature that only God can provide? Uh, we We tend to refer to this uh, by talking about the fact that we can put our spouse up on a pedestal. pedestal yeah. Anytime we're putting someone on a pedestal, we know we're we're turning them into a false idol. Well, I, I, I could say a lot more about that. Well, that, you're that showing step. great great restraint, which I'm I'm proud of you for that. But uh, I, you know, and you you walk a a fine line there because we also are um, we're we're both very dedicated. Uh, and loving husbands, and a lot of times that just leads to this thoughtfulness quotient in in which it does appear that that our wives are on a pedestal, uh, and yet at the same time, the reality of day to day life <laughs> yeah, continually brings us around to the realities of we 're all just human well, I think it 's all right to serve our wives like they 're our princesses, but uh, not to turn them into goddesses. Right, exactly. That there, And there's the fine line right there. There is the fine line, and I think we all know when we cross it. So anyway, pause the recording, own your own stuff, and then we'll come back to part B of this verse. All right, Randy, uh, hopefully there were some meaningful conversations out there, and uh, if you feel like it, email us and let us know what that was like. Uh, we always enjoy getting those. Um Part B of this verse, I think, is just huge. I, I uh, uh, really uh, am quite intrigued and fascinated by it um, because uh, so oftentimes uh, we in the evangelical church, we, we talk about the uh, sins of the Father. We talk about the intergenerational curse of addiction. We certainly know that we can trace certain addictions back in families, uh, alcoholism, for example, is passed down. Uh, I, I was fascinated early on, fascinated and saddened uh, by how far back sex addiction goes in my family. I can trace it back to um, the generation of my great-grandfather, and I'm sure it extends back before that, but um, uh, it just goes to show you that, that some of us, genetically, some of us in terms of cultural conditioning, uh, because of the modeling and example or genetic history of our own parents, you know, we're going to inherit things. Uh, uh, we certainly, you know, theologically believe that we inherit the human nature that uh, leads us into original sin or rebellion and separation from God. Um, now, so, you know, all of the men that I work with, I think one of the things that gives them the greatest shame, the greatest angst, the greatest anxiety, the greatest guilt is... Um, what effect you know their their own addiction might uh, have had or or is having or will have you know on their own uh, children? Um, I know that when I was sitting in the treatment center um, back in 1987, I 
I uh, was despondent over, you know, the effect that all of this might have on my children. And in this in this passage that we that we read earlier, uh, God God gives us a promise, you know, in that this this intergenerational transmission of sin, the sins of the father being passed down, it can be broken. And and that's the idea that I, I really wanted to end our show with today. Breaking the cycle of intergenerational sin or uh, of uh, the sins of the of the father being passed down. It can be broken. The curse can be broken. And it takes a very conscious decision on the part of the men that I work with, to return, what does the verse say? Return to the true worship of God. Don't have false idols. Don't uh, have any other gods before me. Return to the true worship of me. Uh, Repent of your sinful ways. And then, you know, we're talking four generations in the opening part of this verse, and now we're talking about blessings that will be bestowed for a thousand generations. I pretty much uh, am pretty uh, fond of that uh, return on investment, Randy. Uh, and if we could only look at it that way, that, that you know, the, our repentance, uh, our uh, faith, you know, is going to pour out a blessing on a thousand generations. You know, how many of us would not want to do that? Uh, so th- use that as, think of your grandchildren, think of your great-grandchildren, think of the blessings that could be bestowed upon a life of integrity and purity. Now, that's a legacy that any of us would be proud to own. That's right. That is right. Well, we have reached that point of the show, Mark, where uh, we are going to uh, close now and uh, and bring an end to this conversation about the Second Commandment. Uh, and do you have any, um, any parting summary for this one? Yeah, I, let me just summarize it this way. I think false idols are created when... Our soul is satisfied with uh, uh, more tangible things when our soul can only be satisfied with eternal things. So uh, I understand uh, for myself and others why we would be on this quest to create false idols. And let me just offer a word of hope. If we can direct our true devotion toward God, that will be the only thing that will be satisfying. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you for joining us again this week on the Men of Valor program. We hope that the following week will be a week filled with many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.